0: Concerning true believers, there are three kinds. Pastor Ed Ray explains. Someone said there are only three kinds of true believers. Those who are
1: in the middle of a storm, those who are just coming out of a storm, and those who are going into a storm right now. In other words, storms, difficulties, persecution, struggles, are the normal part of a believer's life.
0: Filled with hands and in this place gotta dwell with man sick deal and the crippled stand singing hallelujah my kingdom built with the blood of my son selfless sacrifice for everyone faith hope love and harmony i said, let this world know me by your love you know it's not long till you realize the trials are a part of the christian life Now to some this is a surprise, and to others a disappointment. But they are a tool and God uses them to expose and develop our faith. We'll learn how today on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. And we're so glad you're with us. Pastor Ed continues making his way verse by verse through 1 Thessalonians. And we've come to chapter 3 where we learn about what encourages faith. One of those things is trials. It seems that sometimes we don't trust that God is in control till life gets beyond our control. Trials certainly help us learn that. Here now to introduce our subject from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 is Pastor Ed. Ignite your faith. That short phrase, your
1: faith, is repeated five times in these short 13 sentences I love the story of the four-year-old who wanted to uh, pour his own glass of milk so his mom begrudgingly let him do it, and he filled it up and, of course, overflowed it and then spilled it all on the floor. And he said, Mom, I I can clean it up. She rolled her eyes and said, "Okay, uh, the mop is on the back porch. And so he ran over to the back door and he opened the door and it had gotten dark outside. And he was afraid of the dark. And so he closed the door and he went back to his mom and said, Mom, I, I'm afraid to go out there. She said, honey, Jesus is there. He's everywhere. He will take care of you. Whatever you need, he will do it. He got a big smile. I said, oh, thanks. So he runs over to the robes and says, Jesus, since you're already out there, would you hand me the mop? <laughs> and sometimes our faith is like that, isn't it? Well, okay, but God, you'll have to do something. Now, we've been going through this letter of Paul to a church in northern Greece called Thessalonica. And Paul has been encouraging this young church just a few weeks after it was started in the faith. He had been there a very short time, less than a month, and he had preached there, and they had received it. They had embraced it. In fact, they were doing so well that they were sending out missionaries already to the Roman Empire. Paul describes in the first chapter that he's the evangelist. He's the one that's gone there and introduced them to Jesus. In the second chapter, he describes his relationship with them as pastor, as being that of like a mother, nourishing them, like a father, directing them, and like a brother, encouraging them to be like him in the faith. Now in the third chapter, he talks about maturing in the faith, having a mature view of life and the difficulties that life holds for everyone. It's messy, have you noticed? Life is messy. These tribulations, these trials, these storms, these persecutions that you and I go through are the normal Christian life. Jesus talked a lot about those two words, your faith. My favorite story in uh, Luke chapter 8, Jesus said that to his disciples. You know the event. Now it happened, verse 22, on a certain day that he got into, he, Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples, and Jesus said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. Important point. And they launched up. But as they sailed, Jesus fell asleep. And then a windstorm came down on the lake, and the boat was filling with water, and they were in jeopardy. And they came to Jesus and awakened him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. We're going to die here, and you're sleeping. And Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and the raging sea, and they ceased, and it was calm. But then he turned to his disciples, and he said, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled and said to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the waves, and they obey him. I love it that Jesus didn't say, where was your faith? He put it in the now. Where is your faith? That was this question to them because he is the God of now. He is the great I am. He is the God of your faith right now, this moment. Well, we can talk about the faith that we had back yesterday and last year and 10 years ago. And we can look forward and say, well, we'll have faith in the future. But real faith is tested right now, in this instant. So Jesus is speaking to them about their faith now. Now, he had said to them in that story in Luke 8, we're going over to the other side. They they should have expected that to happen, even though there was a storm along the way because Jesus said they were going to make it to the other side. That's what Jesus says to you and I. We're going to make it to heaven. He is able to keep us from falling, and to present us faultless before the Heavenly Father. But along the way, there's a lot of storms. Have you noticed? Those waves come crashing over the side of the boat, and our faith is challenged. That's what this section is about. The Lord feels the same about you and I, I'm sure. He says to me quite often, Ed, where is your faith? As I'm crying out to him, I'm going to drown. This time it's not going to work. I know it's going to fail. It's inevitable. Fear comes into every believer's life. And faith deteriorates. So how do we get more faith? Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. That's what's happening right now for you and for me, that I, in fact, am growing in faith as I even read to you the Bible. As we saw last week, the Bible is alive. It is a living thing that the Holy Spirit empowers to cause you, your faith, to be strengthened and my faith. So, someone said there are only three kinds of true believers. Those who are in the middle of a storm, those who are just coming out of a storm, and those who are going into a storm right now. In other words, storms, difficulties, persecutions, struggles, are the normal part of a believer's life. They were trusting in themselves, which is often the problem. We think we're doing fine in the Lord, but it turns out when we're tested, when we're in the middle of a storm, we have faith in our ability to get through the storm instead of his ability to get us through the storm. That's what they discovered about themselves. So where is your faith today, right now, this morning? Everybody has faith. The question is, what is the object of my faith, of your faith? Even before I was a believer, I had great faith. I had faith in science. I had faith in the power of observation, empirical science. I had faith in my ability, my five senses, to see what's real and not. But it turns out that there's another whole world that's unseen that can only be seen with the eyes of faith. It cannot be seen with physical eyes. It cannot be touched with a physical hand. It can't be heard with our natural ear. It can't be tasted of. It can't be smelled with our natural senses. But God is waiting to enhance our faith so that we can experience all those things. Okay, so that's where we're going. Faith is the hinge. Faith is the fulcrum. Faith is the key to a Christian's relationship with God. It is how we get started, Ephesians 2.8 says. It is by grace you have been saved, through faith. It's how you start the Christian walk. You make that step. It's how your walk is maintained along the way. Hebrews 11:6. I already quoted it. Without faith it is impossible to please God. We can approach God only because only through faith. Ephesians 3:12. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him in God. Through faith, by the power of God, our life is maintained spiritually, 1 Peter 1:5, Who are kept, you and I, we are kept by the power of God through faith. It is, in fact, a gift from God, this thing called faith. It is a measure given to every person, Romans 12, 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, to not think more highly of themselves than they ought to think, but to think soberly on God, who has dealt to each one a measure of faith. You have an, a measure of faith, an amount of faith given to you from God that's different than the person sitting next to you and different than the faith that I have. Your faith is different than my faith. In varying degrees, each one of us has been given a certain measure of faith. Faith comes to us by hearing, we said, Romans 10:17. And so, faith is central for Christian living. What the world might see as gullibility is, in fact, the portal that will eventually lead to certainty. Again, what the world sees as being gullible is the portal, the entranceway into certainty. You see, in eternity, nobody wonders if they're a God. <laughs> in eternity, no one has to question whether there's heaven you're either there or the other alternative as someone said to me smoking or (laughs) non-smoking faith in god in the final analysis is everything so in these section 13 verses one chapter there are three parts encourage and strengthen your faith one through five your faith is linked to love six through ten and then what would seem to be unrelated, but is very much part of it, the coming of Jesus Christ again, 11 through 13. We've seen Paul's already mentioned that subject twice before in this letter, and he'll do it again here and one more time in chapter 4 especially.
0: You're listening to Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray, who's giving us an outline of First Thessalonians chapter 3. Now with part two of today's lesson on faith, here's Pastor Ed. Verse one, let's jump in and see what God would say to you
1: and me about our faith. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone. Paul's saying that I should stay alone in Athens and send everybody else to see. What's the therefore Therefore, Well, that thing that Paul had said in the chapter before, that he was a father and a mother to them, nourishing and encouraging them. He was a brother to them. And because of that, he loved them. They they were part of the family of God, his family. And he had brought them into it. He couldn't wait any longer. So uh, he was too anxious. And so to not be able to go back to Thessalonica, because if he went, there'd be a riot again. That's what happened the first time he was there, a revival and riot. So this time he stays in Athens, in Acts 17:16 we read, and he sends them off Timothy back to Thessalonica. That's what it says in verse two. And send Timothy, our brother and minister, a, a junior pastor, he's a pastor in training, We'll look at two letters that Paul wrote to him, first and second, Timothy. So Timothy heads up. He's three things. He's a brother, he's a minister, and a fellow laborer in the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And he's going to do two things, establish and encourage you concerning your faith. So Timothy goes, this is the only place in Scripture where these three descriptions are given to a man, but they're true about you and they need to be true about all of us, that he is, in fact, first of all, a brother, a brother in the family of God, not just the church here, not just the church in Redlands, not just the church in the United States, but the church of Jesus Christ in the world. Two billion people self-identify as Christians in the world. God is moving in the earth. He is in the process of growing his church. Don't worry. (laughs) God is doing it. He said the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. So Timothy is a brother. You and I are to be brothers and sisters to each other. And secondly, he is a servant. That's what minister means. Diakonos in the Greek language means a slave, literally. He's serving people. He was the kind of guy who recognized his job was to serve other people. And that didn't bother him at all. He didn't mind that title. And thirdly, this is an important one, a fellow laborer. I see this missing a lot in the world in the body of christ today timothy was a team player not running the show himself not trying to promote himself not in the process of creating his own following his own church he knew it was all about god anyway and so in god's harvest field he was just a fellow worker as are you and me We work with God and each other to further the kingdom of God so that God would get the, the word is glory, the weight, the display of himself to the world. Timothy was one of those guys who was not into self-promotion. Didn't need to see his name out in front. Didn't need to see his own program. He wanted to see God, the gospel of Christ. That's his sphere of influence. That's your sphere of influence, believer. When you speak about the good news of Jesus Christ, your words are empowered by God. That's what he's saying. When you and I venture out in faith, take a step of faith, and actually tell someone about God, even mention the name of Jesus in this uh, hyper atmosphere that we live in, that God takes that word and gives it a lasting quality. Oh, it may not hit hard at first, but that person that needs to hear it, the Holy Spirit will bring it back over and over again. This Greek word for faith, pistis in the Greek language, appears 244 times in the New Testament. When the Holy Spirit repeats the word 244 times in the New Testament, we get the impression maybe he thinks it's important. <laughs> it's really, really important, your faith. Now, this is the two words that Paul has honed in on. This is his focus, your faith. Five times here in 13 verses, he talks about the faith of the Thessalonians and your faith and my faith. He sees it as an absolutely critical component. In fact, when Timothy comes back and tells him the church is doing good, he doesn't talk about the church physical building. We don't know anything about the church in Thessalonica, what the building looked like. We know the church, the people, though. He didn't come back and talk about their sound system, the amazing worship band they had, the children's ministry, the pews, the carpet, the songs. He didn't talk about the programs that were taking place in that church. He talked about the faith of the people that were in the church. That's what God focuses on. Paul understands something that's often forgotten today in the church of Jesus Christ. When a Christian is faltering, when he's struggling, when he's lost his way, when he can no longer hear God's voice, what's happened? His faith has been ripped off. Satan can destroy your faith. Well, how do I get it back? You're doing it right now. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Now, you can feed yourself. In fact, that's why we teach through the Bible here so that you'll be able to feed yourself. Go back and read this, read ahead for next time, so that you are hearing yourself in the Word of God and your faith is being encouraged. Pretty cool system God's built. So Timothy goes there to do two things, to establish and encourage you concerning your faith. The word established here is sterizo. In the Greek language, it's where we get our English word steroids has some negative connotations today because of doping in sports. I don't mean the people in sports are dopes, but that sometimes applies. I mean the use of steroids to increase your performance, enhance your performance. But in this case, it means to make stronger, to make stable, to strengthen your faith. That's why Timothy went. And to encourage pericleto to come alongside, to speak words of comfort, to, in fact, See someone who's struggling and come alongside them and bring them a a remembrance of something God has done to you, for you, in your life, or something that you observe God do in their life. You see, we all struggle in this area of faith. There are times where every single one of us will find ourselves in the fear factory that God is bringing someone to you or bringing you to someone else who's in the middle of that so that we can build them up. Verse 3, that no one should be shaken by these trials, by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we were appointed to this. Don't be disturbed, shaken, unsettled. Don't be deluded because trials are normal. That's what he's saying. We were appointed to this. Another translation says, you know quite well that we were destined for them. (laughs) Whoa. Hard times were placed here by God, another translation says. Trials are appointments, not accidents, another translation says. You mean God allows difficulties in my life? Why? Good question. To strengthen you. Faith is a muscle. And just like your muscles that need to be stretched beyond their past use, In other words, when you're working out or if you're lifting weights or something, you always try and go a little bit more, a few more reps, a little bit more weight, and you're actually tearing down your muscles. But when you get good rest and healthy food, they grow back stronger than they were before. It's actually a quite vivid picture of what your faith is like in God that it gets torn down in the process of storms of life, trials, struggles, temptations. But the end result will be that God has done what he wants to do in you, make you stronger. So, Paul is reminding these Thessalonians that it was by divine appointment that they were in these difficulties and that he had, in fact, told them they were going to, verse 4. For, in fact, we told you before, when we were with you, that would happen, that you would suffer tribulation, just as it happened, and you know. So Paul says, you knew it was coming, I warned you. I warned you that becoming a believer does not exempt you from struggle. In fact, it guarantees some new ones. Wow, there's a sales pitch. Pastor, how's that working? There are at least three errors in regards to trials, tribulations, persecutions that I hear often. The most common one is probably that real Christians don't suffer afflictions. I hear that from television evangelists all the time. Well, you just learn from the Word of God. You don't have to go through trials. You don't have to go through storms. Sorry, that's not biblical. Listen to Hebrews 2.10. For it was fitting for him, for Jesus, for it was fitting for him to whom are all things and by whom are all things to bring many sons and daughters, you and I, to glory, to completeness. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. He went through suffering persecution, so why do we think our life will be any different? It will not, Hebrews 5.8. Though he was the Son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. So it was good enough to teach Jesus, it's good enough to teach us, yes, in the body he learned these things. God does teach you and I perseverance, strength, patience, obedience, how to comfort others. We can't comfort others until we've been through it ourselves, right? The error, secondly, of thinking that only non-Christians bring trials into our lives. (laughs) Uh, Persecution does come from the ungodly, but it also comes from people who think they are doing God a favor. It could happen here in this room, could happen out in front, could happen in the parking lot as you're trying to get out and somebody pulls in front of you. And then they don't say nice things to you. I hope it doesn't happen. But the truth is history is filled with people who thought they were Christians persecuting people who really were Christians. 1492, why is that date important? Well, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. No, no, no. That was the year in Spain of the Inquisition. When real believers and Jews were given six days to leave the nation.
0: Pastor Ed Ray on the high value of trials and the role they have in our spiritual development. You know, there's much more to glean not only on growing our faith, but what's linked to our faith, but also what we look forward to by faith. And we'll do that next weekend Right here on Growing Grace. Today's message from Pastor Ed Ray is part of our study in First Thessalonians, and you can hear it again at thepackinghouse.org. You'll find all of our recently aired programs right there at thepackinghouse.org, as well as an archive of Pastor Ed's messages. We're also on YouTube, and that's a great way to live stream our services or watch recently delivered messages search for Packing House Christian Fellowship. And if you prefer to have a CD copy of today's message, just call toll-free 844-77-GRACE. Again, we're here to serve you at 844-77-GRACE. You know, as we continue to get the word out on stations like this all across the nation, we're looking for our listeners to help. Even a small donation can have a huge impact by God's grace. And whatever comes in goes straight into the ministry. When you support Grow in Grace with a gift of any amount today, be sure to request our featured resource. It's a book called Why Revival Tarries by Leonard Ravenhill. This is a no-compromise call to biblical revival and spiritual excellence that we all need to hear. You'll see the great disparity between today's church and the Church of Acts. So again, we're making it available for a gift of any amount. Just give us a call at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. This program is listener-supported and brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Zion, with hands, and in this place dwell with man. Sick and the crippled singing son, selfless sacrifice for everyone, faith, hope, love, and harmony, I said let this world know me by your love.